Welcome to Fireside Chats on the Young Mind, brought to you by Old Firehouse School. I'm Dorothy Stewart, the Executive Director of Old Firehouse School, and I'm here today with Alex Dutton, the Program Director on our Lafayette campus. We did a podcast with Dr. Monica Gandhi earlier in the year to discuss COVID and its impact on young children. We're revisiting her to talk about what's new at our school that we're seeing at the present time. Monica Gandhi is an American physician and professor. She teaches medicine at the University of California, San Francisco, and is director of the UCSF Gladstone Center for AIDS Research and the medical director of the San Francisco General Hospital's HIV Clinic. We're so happy to have her with us today. Dr. Gandhi is a frequent expert quoted on news channels, both locally and internationally, on topics to do with COVID and other epidemiology issues. Today, as we are entering into colder weather, fall and winter, most COVID restrictions are gone. We will talk to her about the illnesses that are affecting young children right now and their families. All of our preschools have been seeing an uptick in illnesses this last few weeks. We're concerned about that. So, Dr. Gandhi, it was so nice to see you again. This is the second time you've been on our podcast. Can you tell us your feeling about what's going on right now in terms of public health and children? You know, I think that um, we're, we're obviously seeing these uptick in almost severe viral infections in children that's been occurring over the last month. And this is mostly happening in the fields of RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, influenza, which is rising again after the pandemic is lulling and COVID-19 is still around. And what I mean to say is right now, there's so much polarization, so much upset in the field of infectious diseases. Did we lock down too much? Did we did we keep children away from each other too much? Did we mask them too much such that they don't have the immunity that usually children develop by just seeing lots of colds every year? And right now, I have to say, it is a polarizing and incredibly important time, I think, in infectious disease to just settle in and think about what's happening and figure out how to help children. I, I definitely agree with you that there's been a lot of questions about it. And my feeling is more like, well, whether or not we did the right things two years ago, what do I do now? How do I protect the children in my preschools right now and all the younger siblings, especially that are um, around? That's exactly right. Like, I think we're going to have to sort through, you know, what happened before or after, but I will just say the exact right responses you're having is let's move forward. Let's figure out how to protect our children. So what we're seeing is that respiratory syncytial virus is an RNA virus. And this is a virus that actually has always affected young children and older people the most. And RSV can usually just cause the common cold in older people, but in especially in very young children, it can cause quite a severe respiratory syndrome. Children may have a hard time breathing. They may need, unfortunately, to be hospitalized, get unhailed, ribavirin. And this is what we're seeing in hospitals. We're seeing more children be susceptible to RSV, whether it was because COVID's coming down. And when COVID comes down, other viruses fill its place. This is called a, a phenomenon called viral interference that we usually don't have multiple viruses kind of competing with each other. One virus sort of wins. And so as COVID's in a lull right now, is it RSV's turn? And we saw this, by the way, in May of 2021, when people were starting to get vaccinated, we saw a lot of RSV in children as COVID came down. Influenza rose in the South, and it's also occurring now in the Northern Hemisphere. And so it's really these two infections, along with the fact that COVID is still happening. What can we do to help? 
Uh, so this is what we can do. So I will tell you, there's a couple of things. One is that RSV, you asked at a great time because in a way we just got information yesterday about a new vaccine. So RSV, oh. we never have had a vaccine for young children. Actually, we've been working on it for a long time and hadn't developed one yet. And maybe the urgency wasn't there. Also, it was just a little harder to get it for young children. But yesterday, there was just new results that this vaccine is just the phase three trial results for an RSV vaccine in pregnant women. Now, this isn't in children, this is in pregnant women to protect neonates. And what this protein-based, very traditional vaccine design has shown is that if you give it to pregnant women, you can protect neonates when they're born up to six months after being born. There is wow. also a vaccine in older adults, which the results were just released a month ago now. This is 65 to 85-year-olds, and mm -hmm. they're very susceptible to RSV and to getting sick from RSV. This is a phase three trial, also a protein-based vaccine. It's actually the same one, pregnant women, older adults. And if we keep it down in older adults, then we may also protect our children. So that's one good thing to do. That's RSV. There's also an RSV treatment. If the child unfortunately does get more sick, we have what's called inhaled ribavirin. Ribavirin is an antiviral that you can give. It's actually given in a tent to help the child. And so definitely take your child in if they're getting more sick. And then finally, in terms of influenza, we do have an influenza vaccine that goes down to six months of age. And I hope everyone will vaccinate their children and vaccinate the people taking care of children because that's the only way to keep influenza down. So we have treatments and a vaccine coming for RSV, and we do have a vaccine for influenza, and we have a treatment also as well called Ozeltamivir, which isn't that great, but it is it is a treatment. Can we back up a little bit into symptoms of RSV, the flu? And I mean, since they all look very, is there anything that stands out about any of them that we can help parents keep an eye out for? Yes. So you're right that they can look very similar. And that's one issue, right? Because they're all respiratory pathogens. All of them cause kind of runny nose, coughing, sneezing, fever, and RSV specifically can really lead to wheezing in young children. So that typical wheezing, and then can unfortunately also create kind of a croup-like illness with a barking cough. So these are the things to look out for in children. The first symptoms are really cough and kind of decreased appetite. And then you can see the problems with breathing. And influenza, the same thing, and COVID, the same thing. Now, COVID has <laughs> right. tended to be less severe in children. We've spoken about this before on the podcast. Mm -hmm. It was just a particularly bizarre aspect about COVID because actually most infections really in measles, pertussis, RSV, influenza affect the very young and the very old. Those are the two extremes of age that they affect most. COVID has tended to cause more mild infections in young children. Mm -hmm. Is there anything besides the fact that we're kind of opening restrictions up again, you know, pre-pandemic, I probably saw one or two cases of RSV in a year, and I've been working in preschools for a couple of decades now. And right now in my school, I think I have five. Why is that happening? Why is it so prevalent right now? Yes. I mean, I think there was a Lancet infectious disease article 
that discuss this phrase immunity debt. Now, I don't think any of us really know, but this is what's being speculated. What does immunity debt mean? It truly means that, and I'll send you this article because I think it's important to read, that it means that if we had these unusual circumstances where we kept children more away from each other than they were in any other time kind of in history over the last two years, could we have exposed them to less viruses? And that created what's called an immunity debt where they don't have the ability to fight because they haven't seen a lot of viruses. And so that these viruses can make them more sick. That's one theory that's going on. Again, we don't know for sure, but I think this Lancet piece really, I think it describes it the most. Second is viral interference. The concept of viral interference is we would swab people's nose over the last two and a half years. And it was all COVID mostly because we saw very little influenza, little, very little RSV, very little rhinovirus, very little human metanumavirus, very little apparent influenza, the other viruses that plague us because you just essentially interferes with the circulation of other viruses. And usually you're not getting co-infected with both. So it's these two theories that are being propounded. We don't know. These are, of course, hypotheses. And when we think about what we can do about this, all of those usual cold measures, those respiratory virus measures play a role here. Like that was staying home when sick, which let's admit it, we don't stay home when we're sick very often, but staying home when we're sick, washing hands, um, you know, uh, covering our coughs, covering our sneezes, sneezing into our elbow, avoiding close contacts with sick people. You know, masks is going to come up. And I will say that masks had never played a role prior to this COVID pandemic for the control of influenza and RSV and other viruses. We never routinely masked young children. This is actually the only time in history that we routinely masked young children. In Even in 1918, the influenza pandemic, schools used masks sort of more intermittently than we did in the United States during COVID. Children, it's hard for them to wear masks. Their cloth, they slip down. I really personally do not actually think that we should be remasking children at this point, especially young children, their effects on speech, all of that's been coming out. I wouldn't recommend blanket masking. I know some other health officials are, but it would be unprecedented to do that for RSV. Some parents are concerned about getting both a COVID vaccine and a flu vaccine. You think that's safe to do with children? That is completely safe. And in fact, they really do have kind of the same side effects, which are arm soreness mainly. The adverse effects in children of the, both the flu and the COVID vaccine have been very low. Children can get that arm pain. They can have some fussing and some um, kind of febrile. Sometimes they can even get a fever, but doing it both at once sometimes just gets it done. And, you know, we have always tried to give multiple shots at once with children. When we give routine childhood vaccinations, they're often combined as much as possible or just kind of doing it all at once. And so I would recommend not separating them, but just doing them both. And in terms of the effectiveness of the COVID vaccine, because that's been coming up a lot and the effectiveness of the flu vaccine, Children don't tend to get severe disease from COVID, and so we couldn't have severe disease as an outcome in the clinical trials of the vaccine. You'll see on social media and protests, well, why would I get a child COVID vaccine if it doesn't prevent what I'm scared about, which is severe disease? But one thing it does do is it creates antibodies. And by definition, antibodies developed against COVID means you have developed what's called cellular immunity. It's, it's called B cells and T cells. You have developed the recipe books to make more antibodies in the future by giving your child immunity against COVID by developing cellular immunity. So 
By the fact that it produced antibodies, we know that it's doing something to protect the child. It's essentially creating cellular immunity. So I know the childhood vaccine for COVID has not been uptaken. The parents, we have not had seen the uptake that we thought we would in this country. But I'll tell you that I think they're safe and that by creating antibodies and creating T cells and B cells, you're protecting the child for a while. Yeah, we've been able to see, actually, I was surprised. We have about 60% of my preschool population that is vaccinated for great. COVID. That's great. Children, yeah, 12 to 5. So we were surprised and happy to see that that's still happening and families are still getting more comfortable. And I think as the winter viruses are coming up again, or even more than before, like people are starting to rethink, you know, do I want to have to worry about RSV and COVID and the flu? So Exactly, exactly. That really makes sense to me because we don't have a current vaccine for RSV for children, only the one for pregnant women that has not yet been approved. The results just came out. But COVID and flu we have for six months on for children and getting that kind of reduces this triple worry that we're having so that you reduce your chances of getting those two infections. With RSV, I have read also like this is something that they can get multiple times in a season. Is that true also? Yes. So RSV is an RNA virus, just like we've seen with the COVID vaccine is an RNA virus. It can change a lot. So you can get kind of multiple variants and you can still get it more than once. What one RSV strain should do is should protect against severe disease from the other strains, but it may not protect against all infections. And I will say that the thing about RSV is what we want to do is not get severe disease. Getting mild respiratory tract infections is absolutely kind of a part of a child's life, but we don't want to get into severe infections. So getting RSV once does protect you against severe disease for other ones. Right. Because before people were just getting RSV, you know, all the time when they were young anyway. Exactly Um, right. So based on what we're seeing in this last month, what might happen the next few months now that we're getting into the holidays and people are going to be seeing more of each other? Should families just kind of expect my kids are going to be sick more often? Because I have definitely already had families in my school that have had RSV plus another cold plus another other cold in a month or so. So it just feels like kids are also getting a lot more ill a lot more often. Yes, clearly, you know, lockdowns are over, school closures are over, children are seeing each other, there's no doubt. And I think that's important because socialization and mental health and school and all of that is important. But if there is this immunity debt, if they haven't seen as many colds, they are likely to get more colds during this time. And I would say keep them home when they're sick and plan on it. We just have to go hopefully through one season like this with more upper respiratory tract infections. And then we should get back on track if that's really what's happening, that we've had less immunity to viruses, we should get back on track after this. You know, we got a lot of RSV in May of 2021. We did actually, when COVID had gone down because of the alpha variant had kind of come down after vaccination with of adults, the Delta variant had not yet risen. COVID was in a lull, less viral interference. We did see a lot of RSV, but that didn't seem to protect children from the RSV in this season. I think hopefully just going through what kind of one season where you think, okay, I'm just going to expect my child to get more colds. As long as it doesn't get very severe, which again, we have treatment, we have supportive care. Please bring your child in if they're getting more ill. People are still concerned about COVID in terms of long COVID in children. Is that an issue that we should be thinking about? 
You know, there's been really good studies. There was a very large JAMA article of long COVID in children and adolescents, and it seems extremely rare. And the reason that I would say that we don't know all the reasons, we don't understand long COVID very well, but it seems to be associated with severity of disease. The more severe disease, the more likely you are to have persistent symptoms. And children tend to get less severe disease with COVID, which is why I think the JAMA surveillance of a, it was a meta-analysis, which I'll send to you in your podcast listeners, why I think there's so much less long COVID in children because they have less severe disease. The second thing that we're seeing is that as immunity is rising in the population with COVID, even in adults, we're getting less severe disease. We're seeing fewer people in the hospital with COVID, fewer what's called COVID pneumonias, COVID ICU admissions. And with less severe disease overall, which is really a function of our population immunity from both vaccinations and natural immunity through all these waves, especially Omicron, which infected probably 75% of the planet, according to one IHME model in Seattle. If you have that much immunity in the population, you're getting less severe disease. We're seeing we're at the lowest point of deaths, for example, from COVID worldwide than we've been since March of 2020. It's what led the WHO to say the end of the pandemic is in sight, not that it's over, but that the emergency phase end is in sight. So as we see less severe disease, we see less long COVID. And the final word on the percentage of long COVID we're seeing at this point of time in adults, and I'll send you both JAMA articles, this is another JAMA article, is about 2.7% of people having persistent symptoms. And then finally, with long COVID symptoms in adults, haven't done a study in children, vaccination, if you already have long COVID, getting a booster shot, getting your immunity more organized seems to reduce the prevalence of long COVID symptoms. So as we are entering the holidays, do you have any recommendations for families who are maybe hoping to get back together again, but having to consider COVID flu, RSV for for everybody? I think the main thing is don't get together if someone in the family is sick. So if they're actively sneezing, coughing, respiratory illness, that person has to stay home with a parent. And that is the biggest thing, washing hands, getting the flu and COVID vaccines for anyone who's eligible. But I wouldn't discourage, again, get-togethers. Like I think there is this kind of understanding that there are mental health effects from not being together. There's kind of the primate need to be together. It's been a long, long pandemic. And I know I've been more on that side of, I think social isolation has not really been good for children. And so I would definitely get together. We have a multi-generational family. We have an 88-year-old grandfather who's visiting me. We have children in the family. And if they're sick, they're not going to be able to go to the party. But if they're not, they're coming. Thank you very much, Dr. Gandhi. This was very helpful. I'm sure all our listeners will feel comforted and and armed with lots of knowledge from this. Thank you so much for having me. I know it's going to be a hard season, but we'll get through it. You will get through it. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Okay. Talk to you later. Take care. To summarize our talk with Dr. Gandhi again, we should, first of all, get your vaccines. Secondly, stay home when you're sick. Don't bring your child to school if they're actively sneezing, coughing, etc. And third, have a plan for your sick child. It sounds like it's going to be a rough winter ahead. If we're very careful, we can avoid serious illnesses. Thank you all for listening to Fireside Chats on the Young Mind. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. So that's it for today. Thank you all. Thank you.